0: Okay, so um, for those who are sort of new or just visiting, um, for the past few weeks in in the new year, we started focusing on the whole theme of we are church, Um, and the idea is that we break away from our mindset that either church is a place, or that we go to church, church is an event. So if, if that is our mindset, if that's your mindset, then necessarily your life will look the same. Ne? Your life will have compartments of church and non-church compartments. So work is different, and friends is different, and fishing is different, and the sport field is different, and whatever you do is like compartments. And so we've come into this culture, especially in, in the Western culture, where, um, where we come to church and we have to come and receive something from the pastor and from the worship band and, and from even the elders and all that kind of stuff. And if what we receive is not good enough, then the church is not good enough. And then I go look for another church. Nee? It's a culture that we're in. Um, Uh, I like to call it a Christian consumer culture, where, where if whatever they are feeding you is not good enough, then you just go look for something else. You just go and... So we want to break away from that, because biblically, the church is supposed to be the active body of Christ. And two weeks ago, we spoke about the whole theme of you are living stones... In this building that Christ is building. He said to Peter, On this rock I will build my church. And they thought he's speaking about the temple. But he's speaking about living stones. And 2 Peter says that Christ is the cornerstone, and we are living stones built into Christ upon him. So that we can be a living and an active body of Christ. And and if you want to see that, there can be no consumers. There can be no people in the church or who, ma- who calls himself part of the body who just come to, to gain, to, to receive what you want to give me. And it's a difficult culture to change. I mean, even just how we're sitting here in rows, someone standing in front, that's why I want this to happen. I want sort of later m And I'm all verstaan. Because it's just a way in which we just break the mould a little bit where we are all part of what's happening. We are and it was so encouraging for me now to see people just going to people laying hands on them, praying for them, giving them word, giving them whatever. And and the the vision is that that um, what a call a sense of that says that one comes with a hymn and the other with a word and the other with a teaching and the other... And so everyone brings something as a living stone to the body of Christ so that we all stir each, stir each other up and so that we all partake in being the body. And in different times, different people will have different roles and will do different things. But no one is trying to outshine the other or, or whatever. There's only one thing we need to outdo each other in, says Paul, and that is in acts of love. <laughs> so the idea is that we, that we become a living organism, that this church will not be filled with consumers and seat warmers and with all respect, but that we will be a living organism that we will be Christ's body, that we will live. And then Christian life becomes something completely different. Then it goes out there. Because now wherever you go, you become the manifestation of Christ in your work, when you're on the sport field, when you're fishing, when you're having a dope with your buddies. But you're a manifestation of God. And you, everywhere you go, you... Like people, I said this the other day, is I want people to look at me and spend time with me and then they must be able to say like Jesus said, I know God because I know you. When I spend time with you, I've, I've seen something about God that I haven't seen before or that really draws me to Him. That's That's church. That's what church is supposed to be, is, is supposed to be the, the magnet. And that's what we saw in, in Acts Daily the numbers were added to them because the people saw how they loved each other. The people saw how they lived. The people saw how they, how they operated as living stones, as a body. And they said, wow, that's different. That's something I want. That's something that, that I need. I want to, because that's what we're made. That this is the as Ephesus, in a sit us only boom and say clem. Nee? That feeling of this is not what I'm supposed to be, this is not where I'm supposed to It's exactly when you are reborn and you're in the world and you and you're still trying to like mix and still be like that. There's something in you says, No, this is not this is not right. This is not what I'm supposed to be and then and then you find yourself going into dark holes and depression and stuff like that. Because you're not living what God created you to be. He created us in His image. He created us to, to, to represent Him to the world. So that's where we are right now, today. So I'm continuing with that thought. Alright. So, Can you see there? But does he blinds to <laughs> um, maybe we can switch the lights off. Yeah. Um, Lance, there's a light behind the door. There's a bit better. Anyways. So, I want to make a statement, but it will only be half a statement, and then I'll complete the statement later. But I want to make a statement and say, say that whatever or whoever you fear has authority over you. Whatever or whoever you fear has authority over you. Because they can manipulate you or they can make you do things that you don't, do not want to do but in fear of condemnation or disappointment or hurt or whatever, they can make you do things, and that is authority. Authority is if I'm in the army and uh, someone in a higher rank tells me to do something, I have no choice, I've got to do it. If I don't do it, I'm in rebellion and I can be court-martialed or whatever those terms are that they use. So th- that is authority. Something has authority over me if it can force my hand, if it, if it makes me do something that I do not want. It's also manipulation. <laughs> and manipulation is witchcraft. So whatever you fear has authority over you. It has power over you. Paul says in, in Romans 6, he says, But thank, thank be to God that, that because we have died with Christ... And raised up with him into newness of life. Sin has no more authority over you. Has no more dominion over you. So that has been broken by Christ. The things of this world, the authority of sin, the, the authority. There is, there is no reborn believer that can truly say that I did not have a choice. I had to drink or use the drugs or sleep with that woman or sleep with that man or whatever. I can't help myself. Because sin has no more authority over you. It's broken by Christ. So now the only authority that, that sin or people have over us, because we are not under the dominion anymore, is the authority that we give people. We allow people to have authority over us when we fear them. And why I'm speaking about this is that if we want to be a living body of Christ, if, if we want to be ones that walk out and that do things for the Lord and live in obedience and, and move as He say, says we should move, we cannot have the fear of man. Because it will stop you from living in the fullness of what God wants you to do. It will at some point or in some way, whether it's a little thing for some or whether it's big things for others, it will in some way stop you from being obedient to the call of God if you fear man. Because you can only fear man or God. You can't fear both on a a single point, let me say that. Because some people in some things might fear the Lord, but in other things might fear man. But on the same point or on the same issue, You cannot at the same time fear God and man. So the fear of man will cause you to miss out on what God wants you to do, on what God wants you to to accomplish through Him. So that's one thing we need to lay down. It's one thing that we need to deal with is the fear of man. And it's not even the kind of fear where, where you're like, your legs are trembling at the presence of this person. It might be something as, as, as strong as a cultural thing. At youth, um, on Friday night, there, were, there was a young lady. Oh, we met her for the first time. And a wonderful, wonderful lady. And she was speaking about this rift that is now happening between her and her parents because she wants to marry early like in the early 20s she's already 22 now but i mean she wants to marry early but according to to the tradition of the family you may only marry like late now she's sitting with this thing of do i fear tradition do i fear man Do I fear or do I follow the truth? Do I follow what the word says? Jesus was crucified because of the fear of man. He was handed over to the people because Pilate was too scared, even though he saw that Jesus was innocent, to proclaim his innocence. For fear of what the people might do, he handed him over to them and said, i wash my hands. You do with him as you wish. Fear of man. There are many, many instances in the word where where kings and and leaders and rulers went off and away from the will of God because they feared man. What will he think? And we do the same. I think one of the first things when, when God calls us to be obedient to something radical, the first thought we have is, what are people going to say <laughs> if I do this? What will they think if I now stand up and, and prophesy? What will people think if God calls me to, to um, I like it, uh, uh, Dana, Dana, and those guys they, they talk about god sends them on assignments so god would like literally like send her to a shop and say listen go and tell that person this and she does it because god has given her an assignment but most of us when god gives us an assignment we say oh no mate just, what if it doesn't work what if that person thinks i'm a loony and then we, we reason about it and we say, yeah, but if we do that, if we're so radical, it's going like to give Christianity a bad name. That's why people don't like Christians, because they just like... Whoa. All reasoning, because we want to protect ourselves. We fear man. And the point that I want to make this morning is if we fear man... We will not come to where God wants us to be. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of people becomes a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be set on high. Have you ever thought that what if you didn't fear man and you followed God in this situation? Where would you be? What could be the result if actually you did do what God asked you to do? What will happen then? As I was preparing this, I was reminded of the story of Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. The friends of Daniel. Great, great example of how they did not fear man. So their their fellows, uh, magicians and things like that, they saw that these guys are cleverer and they're doing better than us. So they wanted to make a trap for them. So they said to the king, okay, make a decree that every single time the music plays, that people must bow down before this statue, and if they don't, then they must be killed, and that happens, and those three guys, they don't bow down, they, and then, they don't fear the king, they don't fear man, waar sê nou? Ek met werk aan die settings sien ek, met die screen, I'll come and do that in a week. Sorry about that. So, we all know the story. They say, no, they're not going to bow down before the king. And he says, okay, well, then we'll throw you into the fire. And he heats up the fire even more. And so much so that when the guys that threw them into the fire came close, they burned to death. And these three guys went into the fire and all of a sudden they saw four people in the fire and nothing on them, their clothes, not their hair, nothing was even singed. They didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. Because they did not fear man, they feared God. What kind of protection will there be for you when we decide to fear God instead of man? But that's not the good thing about the story. It's not the end of the story. The end of the story is what happened. And we read this in Daniel three twenty-eight to 29. And Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise be the God of Sadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent forth his angel and has rescued his servants, who trusted in him, ignoring the edict of the king and giving up their bodies rather than serve or pray, pay homage to any God other than their own. So now this pagan king says, praise the one true God. God is glorified. God is glorified when we fear Him and not man. At the end of the day, you might get thrown into the fire, you might get thrown into the lion's den, you might get thrown under the bus, you might look like a paupo, you might whatever people can do, let them do at the end of the day, if you fear God, He will lift you up. He will vindicate you. We need to come to the place where our life is about His glory and not our own self-preservation. We'll see that just now a little bit more actually right now who can complete this sentence for me i'll give you a clue it's in revelation 12 it says they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the the word of their testimony and 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 They did not love their lives even unto themselves. Let's read this. Revelation 12, 10, 11 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the ruling authority of His Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them day and night before our God, has been thrown down. Come, and stop it right now. Your accuser before God has been thrown down. He has no more voice. He has no say. You are under the blood of Christ. You are hidden in Christ. Preek for Uh, The one who accuses them day and night before our God has been thrown down. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, the Lord says, okay, now stand up and give your testimony. Stand up and tell the world how good God is for you. Stand up and go and speak to that person in the street. The person that's begging from you. The person that's, that has that just gone in front of you and made you almost make an accident. <laughs> go and, and bless him. Go and love him. Go and speak life into him. Oh no, Lord. What will he think? I'd rather preserve my ego. I'd rather preserve myself. In church, we're worshiping, and the Lord tells you, "Just go and just put your hand on that guy's shoulder. He needs a bit of encouragement." Oh Lord, he's a man. How can I go and put my hand on another man's shoulder? What will he think? He might be think I'm coming onto him. Come on. We reason ourselves out of obedience to God because we want to preserve our own lives. We will only overcome when we say my life is yours. If you say go, I'll go. How deep? You tell me how deep. How radical? You tell me how radical. Oh Lord, I'll go. Nee, maar ik ga net tot hier in die water When our kids go to the, o- to the ocean, we tell them You're not going deeper than this. Otherwise, we do the same with the Lord. I'll do what you need me to do. But I'm I'm comfortable till till here, Lord. I'm not comfortable doing you complete the sentence. And you know what the Lord says? That's fine. That's fine. I'll find someone else. But you will miss out on the glory of the Lord. I'm saying you, I'm talking to myself as well. We will miss out on the glory of the Lord. We will miss out on the fullness of what He wants us to experience and to know in this life. If we keep wanting to preserve ourselves, preserve our lives. We cannot do that. The Lord said to Isaiah 51, 7, don't be afraid of the results of of the insults of man. Don't be afraid of the insults of man. Don't be discouraged because of their abuse. Jesus says to his his disciples, don't be afraid of them. For nothing is hidden that is not, and that will not be revealed. And nothing is secret that will not be made known. That's in Matthew 10. What I say to you in the dark, tell it in the light. And what is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Another verse from Isaiah 8. Indeed, this is what the Lord told me quite forcefully. He warned me not to act like these people. Don't say conspiracy every time these people say the word. Ne, daar lekker preek vir ons ook. Don't say conspiracy every time everyone else says this. Don't follow their voice and the sayings and the things of the world. saam met hulle don't be afraid of what scares them. Don't be terrified. You must recognize the authority of the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the one you must respect. He is the one you must fear. Proverbs 9, 10 says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Okay, so now we know that we shouldn't fear. (laughs) But what do we do instead? (laughs) How do we counter this? How do we counter fear? What is the, uh, the antidote of fear? That's right. Before we get there, Just one more thought and verse. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, this is very important. Three things. Three attributes of a true disciple. Three things that we need to do if we want to call ourselves disciples of Christ. Deny himself. (coughs) Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We need to deny ourselves. Following Christ is not about us. We've come to the place so easily where Christianity is about us. I listen to worship songs and to, to all those kind of things, like the new stuff, and a lot of it is about us. How it's blessing me, how, how it's making me you know, feel and how it's giving me what I need and all that kind of stuff you go back to the old hymns and and things like that. It's about God. It's about His character. It's about Him being worthy of our praise and honor and our obedience and our love. It's about how we can serve God and not how God serves us. If you want to be Christ's disciple, deny yourself. That means... If I'm in a situation, if I'm in a struggle, if I'm in in a conflict with with someone, my very first thought should be, it's not about me. I don't need to win this. Marriage. Conflict with a husband and wife. Our very first thought should be, it's not about me. If a young couple stands in front of me and I marry them, the first thing I tell them is you're not standing here for yourself. You're standing here because you're vowing to give yourself to the other. It's not about you. Deny yourself. For His glory. Take up the cross. What does that mean? Taking up the cross is not all the hard stuff that happens to you every day. (laughs) Oh, elke huis het sy kruis. Nee, wie het al die gehoor? So die krane breek en die goed is werkie uit nie en ons kan nie die rekenings betaal en goed nie. Ach, elke huis het sy kruis. That's not what this is about. Taking up your cross, Jesus says, The world will hate you because it hated me. If you want to follow me, the world will hate you people will look at you and they will say, there is mal in your cup. How can you think like this? To take up your cross means to think, to say that you can say what you will, you can do what you will. I will follow Jesus. I will follow the truth. That is why we need each other. That's why we need the body, because we cannot do this on our own. We cannot hear and discern the voice of God on our own and then make it our own. Because there's a very good danger, big danger that we all see in part and know in part. We need to test every prophecy, even our own, with others. And with church leaders and with those who are walking with us to make sure that once Ne, Just want to put it on. Follow Christ. Ephesians 5, 1 says, imitate God in all things you do, for you are his dear children. To follow Christ means to walk like him, to do what he did. Great. Okay. The antidote. So we need something different than fear. We need a stronger motivator. And even though it's it's true that whatever you fear will have authority over you, it is even more true that whatever you truly love has authority over you. That's why Jesus says, if you truly love me, you will obey my commandments. By this I will know that you love me. Not by how you worship and how airy-fairy you go and, and all that kind of stuff. That's nice. It's for us. It's for our upliftment and our upbuilding. But by this I will know that you truly follow me, that you truly love me, is that you obey my commandments. You do what I say. So you've got to learn to love. Learn to love the Lord more than anything else. Go read again what in in, um, in Revelation the letters to the Ephesians and to those seven churches. The Ephesians says you've done everything right, you've done your your everything is well done and all that, but you but this I hold against you. You have neglected your first love. I am not your first love anymore. All your church programs and everything you do and all your your good righteous works and all that kind of stuff, good. But that doesn't show me that you love me. Deny yourself. Give yourself up as I gave myself up for the church, Ephesians. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Wie is nog bang vir Godse We should not fear His punishment. Oeg, here's another nou a can of worms. Christ bore the punishment for our sins. We should fear no more His punishment our lives and our obedience to God should not be driven by fear of punishment. It should be driven by our love for Him. I will obey you because I love you. Not because I fear punishment. This is what it says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. You have not received the revelation of the love of God for you yet. The gospel, the message of the cross, the message of the the gospel, which is the manifestation of the love of God. In this, we know that he loves us, that he gave himself up for us. That has not become a revelation to you yet. So you are still fearing God. You are still fearing punishment from God. Even when we say we fear God, it doesn't say that I live in trembling and say, I'm with my with my slani. When we fear the Lord, we are standing before Him and we are overwhelmed by who He is. We are overwhelmed by His majesty. Where we are overwhelmed. We have a reverence for Him. How can I not obey you? You are God. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. We love because He loved us first. If you are struggling to obey God, Get a revelation of his love for you. Get a revelation of how he loves you, how he sees you. I wrote you the key to loving more is knowing that you are loved, even others. Do we look at people, do we look at the people around us, and we say, oh Daniel, the, I just see, and I feel the Lord's love for you. Or do we look at people, and say, ach ja, hy is die ou, wat, na die dag nie my gegroet het, daar by die verkeers ligging. jou voor my ingerij, in Nors, Nors, I think it's slechte oor. <laughs> Die wie is. Nee? If we are so filled with the love of God, the love of God will flow out of us to each other. 2 Korinthus 5, uh, 14 en 15 sê, Either way, Christ's love controls us. And in vertaling sê, compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self or our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. A revelation of the love of God, the revelation of how much He has given us, a revelation of of His love for us will have no other fruit or response and I am saying, here I am Lord, my life is yours. I do not want to sin anymore. I do not want to protect myself anymore. I do not want to live in a place of self-preservation anymore. Because you gave your life, I will give my life. Last week we sang that wonderful song, So Will I. Yes, going Google that song and are to the words. if you gave your life for me, to remove me from the power and the dominion of sin, to remove me from the fear of man, to remove me from, the, from every iniquity, to remove me from the kingdom of darkness, I will give my life to you. Nayan 1 says, my life is not my own. Because I was bought with a price, the blood of Christ. I wrote you: our love for God will translate into obedience and fear of Him instead of man. Last verses, John fourteen twenty three says, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. If we don't obey Jesus, we will obey someone else. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. And our love for God will develop into a love for each other. See, that if God calls us to go and give a word, if God sends us on an assignment, we must love that person more than we love ourselves. Otherwise, we'll want to protect ourselves against the failure or the whatever. Ne? But if the Lord tells me to come and pray for you for healing, and I'm, I've got more consideration for myself, who am I loving more? Myself, she's missing out on what the Lord wants to do. But I'm being protected, so i is happy. But the Lord doesn't get glorified. And I miss out on experiencing the glory of God. If I love her more than I love myself, even though I do have the thoughts of, Oh, Say, sy dink I am all for But I love her more and say, But if I don't, she will miss out on what the Lord wants to do. I will go even though I am afraid. See, love doesn't take the fear of man away. It makes you do the right thing, in spite of your fear. The fear will be there. Ek was bang vir hierdie walking into this place, all of a sudden there's all these chairs, and, and it's like, my heart had go Fear. But I can tell you, the moment people started walking in and I started greeting them and hugging them and feeling the love, it, the fear just... See, it's not about that. It's not about the people. It's about the people. It's about the individuals. It's about connecting and loving. And, and when that is there, then I don't need to fear anything. See, <laughs> a lot of things to fear. But the love of God compels us. Do we love people so much that I'm willing to obey God to bless them? Let's talk about money. God tells me to give somebody some money. What's the first thing I, first thing I do? Is say, well, But what about my account? Will I get through the month if you tell me to bless that person? Who am I loving more? I can tell you with all my heart, the Lord has never told me to give money to someone and I do it and then I didn't get through. Never ever has it not come back to me. Never. We love because He loved. I was thinking the other day. Um, about this whole thing of helping people and i don't know if you're on like, if you say on facebook you're a pastor or something you get calls from people that don't exist to help you <laughs> to help them so i'm thinking talking to the lord lord who should we help and how do we know if we should help someone and that, that kind of stuff and it's like the lord just puts something in my heart to say stop reasoning about who you should help and who you shouldn't help Just answer this question. Would I help them? Would I have given them what they ask for? What does the word say? See, I think the church is lacking. The church is weak. The church is not doing what the church is supposed to be doing because we are not doing what God would be doing. We are reasoning for ourselves. We are protecting ourselves. And that's the point I'm trying to get across. If we want to see the manifestation of God as the body of Christ, there's only one way. Lay down our lives. And that means stop self-preservation. And the only way we stop self-preservation is loving someone more than yourself. And that's the gospel. (laughs) So I just want to give you these practical guidelines Then I'm done. So practically, how do we do this? How do we move away from the fear of man? First of all, I think we need to be honest with ourselves about who we fear and who we don't fear. We need to, to be honest about who are the people that are making us do things that we know we shouldn't really do? Who has authority over us? So recognize that someone might be—you might have fear of man—and I think almost of us can, on one or another manner, for one or another, someone, or one or another, something, go and start to for that And then 2 Corinthians 10 says, destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Destroy it. Destroy your fear of man. How do you do that? You act in the opposite direction. If I'm afraid of what someone might think when I do radically this or that, then I go and I do it. Just because toe ek klein was. <laughs> ons het so'n groot huis in Marintal gehad, met so'n massive boom, en onder die boom was die kraan, was so'n onder die boom. En het sal donker wees en goed is, en dan ontdek ons ooggats, die spraaiers is nog aan, en so. dan sê my pa, Jakko, ga die spraaiers toe, maar het is donker, dan voel ek mense en goed kyk vir my. Nee? And then I'll go, say, I will not show them that I am scared. I will walk like this, like upright. I will not show anyone that I'm scared. Act in the opposite spirit. If the enemy wants to try and get you to not do something because you're afraid, then go do it. God has got your back. Act in the opposite spirit. Act in love. Love people more than yourself. Same thing. Love is shown in what we do, not in what we say, not in Valentine cards and love is shown in I give you what you deserve the most, or actually what you need the most, when you deserve it the least, at great personal cost. That's love. So, yeah. All of this is so that we can function as a body, so that we can function as a church, so that we can function. So at the end of the day, we need to learn to love the church. We need to learn to love the church more than we love ourselves. Maybe on a Sunday morning, you don't feel like getting up. I think, especially sometimes, if the Lord's got an assignment for us, is "Moog, eh? i I Then go. You can be tired this afternoon. All I'm trying to say is, if you want to be part of a living, vibrant, alive church. The body of Christ. There is only one thing: is to be part of it. van af inkyk nie. Don't come and see what you what you experience, and just come and come become part of it. Plant yourself into the body of Christ. That but not one person that the Lord has called to be part of his body. He said, okay, I'm going to take you in and you don't have to do anything. You can just be there. You can just, you know, chill. Come along for the ride. You know what they call that? A parasite. There are a gazillion different ways in which you can be part of the body. I'm not even talking about things like serving on this group or serving on that group, serving on that group. I'm not even talking about that. That should be like a natural thing. I'm talking about looking around you, saying, how can I help equip this guy for works of ministry? How can I help equip this guy to have a better relationship with God? How can I help you, Lord, to, to experience for that person to experience your love in some way? If we just start doing that, we will be a living church. Good, let's pray. Father, you are the author of life. You spoke. And life happened. Holy Spirit, you hovered over chaos and nothingness. And you gave the potential, the ability for life. I'm asking you to breathe your life into this body, Lord. To breathe your life into every single one of us. Like you say in your word, pour your love into our hearts so that we will become living sacrifice for you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray this.